Hey everybody, Jason here. Just want to warn you that I'm a little bit tired throughout this episode. Make some mistakes. I call ICRPG Viking Death Squad at some point. Things like that. I'm just long days at work. Pretty tired. But I still want to get good content out to you guys. So I, I think the episode is good enough. Um, but it's not as good as you probably deserve. So I'll, I'll definitely strive to do better for you next time. But that said, let's see what I have for you. Well, park yourself a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little thing. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him what you got. He said I'll start off with some talking and some movie clips of popcorn fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundless exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full month horror movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, contests, and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name. It's the Nerds RPG Variety. the other Jason. Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today I've got a fun show for you. We have a session recap, some unboxings, a mailbag section, and at the very end of the podcast, we have the start of the actual play that nobody really requested and nobody probably wants. So, let's get on with it. Session recap. Reaver. Reaver, of course, is the yet-to-be-released sword and sorcery game from Raven Guy Games. We're still working out the kinks, doing playtesting. This is Joe Salvador's game of Eldritch Tales fame. Really looking forward to when it's released to the public so you guys can enjoy it, too. I'm having a lot of fun playing it. In this session, it, there's not much to recap, to be honest. We had some role-playing, we had some combat, and, you know, the characters had made it out of the their city where we started that was being sacked. They made it to a little inn. While we, it, when we were, got to this little inn on the river, before we went over the river crossing, we met up with another group. They were from the same area of the world as Laszlo, our fighter-slash-caravan guard. The shaman, Asgold, is also from that area. And... Of course, my character, Brutus the Bald, is from the city that was just sacked. There's a group there at the end that had the... Their leader was dead. He had died in the siege, and they were taking the body home. We agreed to hook up with them for the safety and numbers to get back to the lands because we're headed that way anyway. Also with us is a injured character who we helped escape from the city named Cato, who... Knows, knew of a plot that happened in the city. As we're getting ready to leave in the morning, soldiers came out of the woods from the direction of the city, and the, we agreed that we would support our new allies, so we left the little area of this inn and hid in the woods. The soldiers ar- arrived, demanded tribute for the king. Of course, the king had just been sacked when the city was sacked, so... Whether these were actual raiders or actual emissaries from the new powers, we're not sure yet. But our companions decide to attack them to get their horses, and we help them with that. My character uses a heavy crossbow, which he is nicknamed the Reaper, and, he, and it lived up to its name, managed to take down the, 
the first Garth one-shot. Unfortunately, our Shaman Asgold, when he tried to cast a sleep spell, it misfired on him and knocked him out. So he was out of combat for a little bit until Kato was able to wake him up. Laszlo also had picked up a crossbow, with, was unable to hit the side of a barn. But we, we ended up having a, a fun combat, doing different things. Um, Laszlo ended up eventually getting on the horse, get unhorsing one of them and then getting on that horse and then doing a mounted combat. The the others supported him or made it inside the back inside the inn. We had weighed out in the woods. A do, half a dozen of the riders went to secure the, the crossing. I don't know, maybe half a dozen went in the fort or went in the, the walled area of the inn and three were on guard outside. We took the three out that were outside and then went inside and assisted the cleanup on the inside. And then we headed down towards the crossing and that's where we ended it. It doesn't sound like a big session, but we there, like I said, there was a lot of role playing in there. And of course, because it's a play test, there's rules discussion here or there, which, you know, it takes up some time, but it's a lot of fun. Joe has a great knowledge of this genre and, and he really brings it alive with his descriptions. So it's a lot of fun. The other player in this game as a podcast is Carl Rodriguez of the Gemologist Presents, and he'll probably put out a another session recap on his podcast, so watch for that. Our next session will actually be next year. This is the last session of this year due to one of the players traveling. So on our next scheduled night, we're going to be playing Ninja City, the Dungeon Crawl Classics game set in the 80s ninja movie world. I'll be running that, so look for a recap of that the last week of the month. Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Well, maybe it's your auntie or a joke by your spouse, but the operator's scream is coming from inside the house. Our first call is from Goblin's Henchman. He has a blog and a podcast. Highly recommend you check those out. He is also the creator of the Hex Flower, which is kind of a random table with a memory. I recently reviewed his Wizard of Oz-based setting. It's a system-neutral sandbox using Hex Flowers. And he's just calling to thank me for doing that and to wish me a happy holidays. Of course, I wish Mr. Henchman and his family all the same. But let's hear his message. Hi Jason, Goblin Sensman here. Just want to say a big thank you for reviewing uh, In the Heart of Oz on your on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Uh, sorry, sorry about the delay in sending a kind of a voice message. <laughs> um, but uh, obviously, well, not obviously, but things have been pretty frantic um, this this side of the Atlantic for me. Um, but if I don't see you on the flip side um, or hear from you. Or I don't message you before then, so it's getting a bit wordy. But yeah, have, have a great um, Christmas break, holiday seasons and all that. And uh, wishing you the best in the new year. Okay, cheers, fella. Bye. Hey, cheers. God bless us, everyone. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Just wanted to let you know that taking shortcuts as a GM is just okay. It's not cheating, I don't think. Um, and if the players notice, they probably don't care too much. Um, 
speaking from 5e you know there's a stat block for fucking everything so i can you know throw a rock at the wall and get a stat block for something so i never had to make stuff up on the fly for that um but initiative in 5e hell before we went online and started using foundry i used to just take 10 and add the initiative role of uh, or the initiative bonus to of the monster to that so i didn't even worry about that crap and as far as the other stuff well i think it's just fine I wouldn't worry too much about it. And in worlds without number, hell, I don't have a stat block in front of me. I got a stack of coins or a stack of dice that record their hit points. Anyways, keep it up and man, if your game's good, it don't matter if you're lazy. That's Rich from Cockatrice Nuggets, a great 5e. Well, he talks about all kinds of stuff, but kind of sort of 5e podcast. Great podcast. Highly recommend you go check it out. And... He's responding to my question, if you're in a game where the GM is doing shortcuts for stat blocks for NPCs and things, does that bother you? And so far, it does it hasn't bothered any of the other GMs, so that's really great. I'm happy to hear that. It, it takes away some of that, um, you know, that, that niggling worry in the back of your head that when you're prepping for a session and you're doing it bare bones. So I, I appreciate that. He mentions kind of take 10 in there. The... Take 10, for those of you like me that are old school, that's something that came out, I think, in 3rd edition D&D and then was carried on to Pathfinder, and it's maybe in some other games now. And the idea is instead of rolling the dice, you can just take take the roll of 10, take the, the fixed number of 10 as your roll. And then there's also something called Take 20, where you can take 20 as your roll. It doesn't count as a critical success, but taking 20 means you have an unlimited amount of time to do something. You know, and there's no stress doing it. So you're pretty much going to succeed. And take 10 is, you know, instead of rolling, you just do that to to get it done. Um, it, it's an interesting concept. Um, not necessarily one I've, I use in my games, but in case that reference eluded some of my, some of my old school listeners, that, that's what he's talking about. Anyhow, highly recommend a richer show. Lots of neat stuff over there. Let's fit in another quick unboxing here. We've got a United States Postal Service priority mail package. This is 12 by 3.5 by 14.125. I know what this is because it's coming from Empco. You know, it's funny. You have a company that for many years people said, don't buy from them, don't do this, which because they weren't answering people, they weren't shipping product or any of that. But they've turned around. This is, of course, the people that have the license for Arduin. And all of a sudden, they've got it turned around. They're shipping product. They're responsive. So it's great to see a company turn around like this. So let me open this box up. And we will see what's in here. I'm not buying a ton of new gaming stuff. But with the Arduin stuff, because it's in print right now, I'm going to pick it up as I can because you never know when it's going to go out of print and not be available anymore. So, you know, in both packages I've ordered from them, I've gotten a, a nice little red, like a dice bag with a Swords and Dragons card game in it. So, and that might be a dollar amount you have to order for them to include that for free. I don't know. I know both orders I've done have been over $100. Or right around that, right around $100. So, in this order, and it's very well packed, 
impressively. We have the vaults of the weaver, which the vaults of the weaver are six modules designed and written by Dave Hargrave in one book, which is very cool. These were the old Arduin dungeon novels back in the day, or not novels, but modules back in the day, and they've just been combined together here in, into one printing. So you have um, Caliban, Howling Tower, Citadel of Thunder, Death Heart, Hive Home, Heart of Darkness, Tomb of Dara, and some other material in here, which is very cool. And then I also have a book here called The World of Kos. I guess it's Kos. K-H-A, two A's and an S. Legendary Lands of Arduin. And, and this is a system agnostic book that's a setting book for Arduin, which is great. And it's, um, well, it's pretty big. It's over 800 pages. And this is probably the setting I'm going to use for games in the future, or at least some games in the future. So I'm looking forward to that. Okay, that's a quick unboxing. Way back in episode 293, Daniel Norton asked if there were living dungeon modules. He he wasn't he didn't really remember if any modules incorporated the idea of that shifting moving dungeon like your mythic underworld posits. And luckily we have Car Rodriguez of the Geomologist Presents podcast to answer that question. Hey, Jason and Daniel, there is a product where there is a dungeon that ships around um, as a mega dungeon. It is the 13th Age product, Eyes of the Stone Thief, where the dungeon is alive. So I've never run it. I've always looked at it because it seemed like a cool concept. Um, yeah, that might be kind of cool to run or do or throw on your players. Uh, it could definitely work with DCC since there's an inherent gonzoness to it, but, uh, we'll see. Anyway, that's my product suggestion for a dungeon that moves around that's baked into the published product, but you can always do things that, uh, that other people have suggested, you know, from cave-ins to... Um, people in the dungeon, things in the dungeon, cha making changes. Those last couple things about the cave-in and whatnot were things that Rob from Down the Heap had mentioned back in episode 293. Now, I did get another call reference Rob's comments, and that was from media baron Daniel Norton, Bandit's Keep. So let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Jason. Daniel from Bandit's Keep calling in about Rob's call in about the Mythic Underworld. Um, I think like like one of the first things he said is is really important. A little bit goes a long way, and I don't think that ODND is saying you can't explain things by tremors or beasts or you know a purple worm dug a hole or whatever. So you certainly could go that way and let things be discoverable eventually. I just think what they're saying is that if they keep walking down there and they see the same rooms and it's just oh now goblins are here instead of orcs, that can become real boring. So. To me, I, I like the idea that things are shifting and changing, and you certainly can put a reason in there. And if the players are interested in it, they can certainly research it and figure it out and maybe use it to their advantage, you know, knowing that when it's a full moon that these stairs appear and go down to a different level, but when it's, you know, noon, they don't or something like that. And they can use that to their advantage somehow if they're clever. 
Okay, one last unboxing. This will be a quick one. This is from Worthington Publishing, Worthington Games. It is 12 and a quarter by 15 and a quarter by, oh, I can't bend over at that angle, like 10 and a quarter, something like that. It's a big box, big heavy box. Let's open it up here, see what's in there. Hopefully not destroying anything as I cut into, cut the tape with the Swiss Army Tinker Model knife. Okay, did I cut that? Ooh, close. Okay. I don't think I did. Good. So this is part of their um, Black Friday or Good Friday or Cyber Monday or anyway, the sale they do after Thanksgiving. So these are a bunch of board games that are on sale for pretty cheap. We have Robin Hood. These are all like um, board games, either block and, you know, block and tile or chits or whatever. So Robin Hood, um, do, do, do. Robin Hood is our two-player game that brings all the action of medieval England to play. It uniquely blends traditional medieval soldiers like knights, pikemen, archers, etc. in movement and battle with role-playing characters from the Robin Hood saga. So two players, three out of ten difficulty. Victory within two hours. So this will be a fun game. It was like 25 bucks, I think, for Robin Hood. Big box, you know, big game. And then we have a, a series. These are four games in the Revolutionary War series. We have, and I'm probably going to, I'm pulling them out just as you order. They're in the, in the box. But we have Philadelphia 1777, which is a one to two player game. Again, three out of ten difficulty victory in two hours. We have Saratoga 1777, which is two players suitable for solo play, three out of ten in two hours. We have, what's this one? New York 1776. Again, two, two players. They, these are all the same series, so it's all going to be the same. Um, and then the last one is Trenton 1776, which again has all the same stats. These are all like blocks. They have little wooden blocks for the pieces. And they have cards and boards and dice. And, but they're war games. But I like war games. And I like the Revolutionary Era. I think it's very interesting. Lots of history. I've lived in a lot of areas where that history is and studied some it somewhat. So I'm glad I picked these up. And the Robin Hood thing, like I say, was really cheap at the time. So it was like a no-brainer. I didn't realize it was a two-player game, but my son and I can play this, so it'll be fine. And that is my last unboxing for today. Hey, Jason, in lieu of the Slaver series, which I've really been wanting to run now because of Cloakers, um, how about like Village of Omelette starting the Temple of Elemental Evil? That might be kind of interesting too, right? Or like danger at Dunwater. And I'm sure if you did that, you'll probably get some 5e folks because of Ghosts of Saltmarsh. So um, maybe those are some ideas that one could do. The uh, U as a UK one, I don't know what it's called, um, danger at Dunwater, but it's part of that series. Or uh, Temple of Elemental Evil stuff might be kind of neat to, to, uh, to see about or to hear like a solo play. And the one I meant was Sinister Secret of Saltmarsh, which is U1. Derringer at Dunwater is U2, which is the sequel. But then you could run both. Uh, see how you do in 
S1 and or U1 and then see how you do in U2. Right? That'd be kind of interesting. So there you go. Sorry for it's a correction. No need to apologize, Carl. I really appreciate the suggestions. They are some great ones. And and if I was not in an online AD&D game, I would probably go that route, go the traditional route of going through the various TSR modules. Our GM has said that he may be running through those various modules, so I don't worry because he's already running them for a different group. Now, the Slaver series start roughly level 4. You know, the first one's, what, 4 to 7, something like that, 4 to 6, 4 to 7. I'd have to look at it. So I could either level the party up to and, and just do that, which actually, because they're tournament modules and the Slaver series suffers from the stigma of being pretty linear, it actually would be pretty good for online play, I think. So I, I may end up doing that, just doing this initial adventure or initial, you know, block, leveling these guys up, and then just do the Slaver series. Or I might do some non-TSR products. So I had asked you guys for module recommendations, and you came through with some great ones, Carl. Unfortunately, I'm a lot more limited in what I can play than I thought I was because, again, I don't want to read and play something that we're going to be playing at the table. So, But thank you so much for the suggestions. I, I really do appreciate them. That's the end of the regular episode. I'm going to do my outro, and then I'll play a short beginning to the actual play segment. I'm starting to do a AD&D first edition actual play, not using Unearthed Arcana, just using the core books. And this segment today will be rolling up the characters. So I want to thank all my callers. Really appreciate all the great calls. I want to thank you, the listener, for taking time out to tune in and listen to me. I want to thank Ray Otis for the Coffee Cup Clip Art, TJ Drennan for the wonderful music. If you want to hear your voice on the show, you can leave a message on Anchor. You can send an email to nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. If you attach an audio file, I'll play it on the air and make you famous. You can also find me on a variety of discords, and you can call me about just about anything. So I am going to let you go. There will not be a show tomorrow. The next show will be the 18th of December, which is Saturday, and I will... Look forward to talking to you then. So if you're interested in hearing me roll characters up, then stay tuned. If not, then I will talk to you next time. Take care, folks. Okay, folks, I know I'm supposed to be on to the actual play, but I need to apologize to you. I don't have time to record more right now, but I only did the attributes and then adjust them to characters. The characters aren't quite done yet. They still need to be adjusted for age, and I forgot to say for the, well, they still need to be adjusted for age. Let me say that and other things. So the characters are going to get finished next episode, but you're here at the beginning of this episode. But to make up for that, I'm going to do a, a surprise unboxing because I just got this the, shortly before I upload this to be published. This is from Modifius, and it's from England, Modifius in England, from somewhere called... Um, I don't know. Old Station Way, Borden Trading Estates, Borden Hance, United Kingdom. That's where it came from. And this is a book I ordered when it was first put up for pre-order, and that is Viking Death Squad. I also ordered the 
the collector's edition, master edition, the super fancy version of the new ICRPG, the latest edition ICRPG. But of course, somehow, even though I ordered like the first day, like, you know, the first few hours of it, because I ordered, you know, from England coming here to the U.S., that copy didn't show up and they ended up being sold out and they owe me a copy of that that's going to supposedly be shipped next year. We'll see what happens. We'll see if I ever get my collector's edition of Viking Death Squad or if I just get the regular Master's edition. I'll be kind of frustrated if I don't get it. But whatever. Um, it, you know, I, I shouldn't feel too bad. I have some friends like Shandy Andy of the Now on Hiatus Unguarded Treasures B-52 podcast who had ordered some RuneQuest stuff, the RuneQuest starter set, I think. And is still waiting to get it. Or maybe he finally got it now. But he waited like a long time. like, And he pre-ordered it right away. But he didn't. There's like two cycles when he didn't get it. So so Viking Death Squad. This is a cool book. It is, you know, one of these digest size books. And it's in this bag that we'll see. I don't know if I. What's in bubble wrap? I don't know if there's a way to open this bubble wrap without to rip it. Um, looks like I'm having to rip it. Which kind of sucks. Oh, no, I can get it open here. Good. Anyway, it's a um, beautiful book. It's got, of course, the amazing art of Brandon Inferno, um, our, our good friend of uh, Runehammer, Hank Inferno, I mean, Brandon Gildash or Hank Inferno. Um, it's printed in Lithuania. Who expected that? Not me. It, it's a beautiful cover. It's got a nice green Viking skull with a beard on and horn helmet on the front of it great illustrations in the front um yeah and i talked about viking death squad back when it was when it first came out when i got the pdfs but very happy to finally get that many many months later and i'm still waiting on my icrpg master edition in fact i'm waiting on both of them because i ordered the collector's version of the master edition when it was released Originally, just over in Europe, I ordered that from England, which I haven't got yet. And then I ordered the regular version of Master Edition when they did the sale in the U.S. Because I'm trying to support the company. You know, I'm trying to support Runehammer, so I ordered both versions. And neither one showed up yet. But they'll get here eventually. Anyhow, let's go to the actual play. I apologize. These So this is just the attributes. I'm going to roll all the attributes, and then I will allot all the attributes. Into into races and classes. So that's what you're about to hear. Welcome to the inaugural segment for my Advanced Dungeons Dragons 1st Edition actual play. This time we're going to create characters. I'm just using the core books for this. I will not be using Unearthed Arcana for this group of characters. Maybe later on we'll change that, but for right now I'm just using Player's Handbook and Dungeon Master's Guide. So, I chose Method 1, Roll 46, Drop the lowest and arrange them as you want. And I rolled six characters up. 
and what I got are the following. And this is going to be a little bit boring, sorry. I got a 18, 17, 17, 14, 14, 13, amazing scores. 17, 16, 15, 11, 9, 8, not so great. 16, 15, 14, 14, 14, 7. 12, 11, 9, 9, 8, and 6. 16, 14, 14, 12, 9, and 8. And finally, 15, 14, 13, 13, 11, 11. So this gives me chances to qualify for every class in the book, except for Bard. None of these qualify for the Bard. But I do, I do have characters who qualify for everything else. Um, only one qualifies for Monk. Oh, that's not true. Two qualify for Monk. Um, like I say, I, I have things that will qualify. Only one qualify. Two, two of them qualify for Paladin. I'm probably not going to include a Paladin because I think I might want to run an Assassin. And obviously they're not going to work together. So th that's what I rolled up. Now I am going to crunch the numbers and I will come back in a minute and let you know how I arrange them, and what classes and races I picked. Let's go over what I ended up with. I'm a little bit tired. It's been a long day, so I apologize if I'm low energy here. This list has changed quite a bit, <laughs> but this is what I'm going to stick with. Unlike James Shaw, I'm not as fast on my feet and improv and making things up. Of course, all the die rolls will be real and, and I'll abide by the die rolls. As we go through the dungeons, go through the adventures, it's all going to be just straight up recorded. But I'm going to have a semi-meta plot connecting different modules and things together. And I'm going to open up with that semi-meta plot. So next episode will actually basically be narrative. I don't think there'll be any die rolls in there. I think it's all going to be narrative where I'm getting the party together and getting them off on their mission. But let me tell you what I picked. So, and I'll just go down the same order that I read them before. That first set of rolls turned out to be a ranger with a 17 strength, a 14 intelligence, a 14 wisdom, and 18 dexterity, 17 constitution, and 13 charisma. The second set turned out to be a Paladin, 16 Strength, 11 Intelligence, 15 Wisdom, 8 Dexterity, 9 Constitution, 17 Charisma. The third set, Half-Elf, Cleric, Fighter, Magic User, 14 Strength, 15 Intelligence, 16 Wisdom, 14 Dexterity, 7 Constitution, and a 14 Charisma. The fourth set, a Human Cleric, 11 Strength, 9 Intelligence, 12 Wisdom, 8 Dexterity, 6 Constitution, 9 Charisma. Fifth set, a Dwarf, Fighter, Thief. 14 Strength, 8 Intelligence, 12 Wisdom, 14 Dexterity, 16 Constitution, 9 Charisma. And the last set, a Half-Elf, Cleric, Fighter, Magic User, sibling to the other one. 14 Strength, 13 Intelligence, 15 Wisdom, 11 Dexterity, 11 Constitution, and 13 Charisma. So we'll meld all that together and turn them into a party next episode. Some of these changed quite a bit. Originally, the first set was a paladin. The second set was a monk. I had half-orcs mixed in here. I had other things mixed in here. But this is what I came down with for the meta plot idea. So we will see how it goes.
I will talk to you guys next time.